Pastor Joe would like us all to pray tonight for, for Texas, for the elementary school. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to all do, if you would please, is stand as we go before our Heavenly Father. Matthew 18, 19 in the Amplified says this. Jesus' promise to us is that if two of us, how many believers do we have here tonight? Okay, so there are more than two believers. If only two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind, in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So what is he saying to us? If just two of us tonight would come into agreement with what I'm going to pray, which is the word of God, it shall be done by our Father, which is in heaven. Amen? There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We will have an answer to what we pray to our, our Heavenly Father. Likewise, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, also in the Amplified Bible, it assures us that this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to or have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked from him. So tonight, church, as we pray and we come into agreement with the word of God and each other, we have two witnesses in the word of God which tells us that it's done. Amen? Amen. We don't have to go back. We don't have to pray the same thing. We're coming into agreement. Our Heavenly Father hears us. We're praying in line with his word, which is his will, and we have what we ask. Amen? So I wanted to mention that before we go to prayer. So now if you would just please join me in your hearts in prayer. If you do have a prayer language, if you do speak with other tongues, very quietly express it, release it, but very quietly you can pray in other tongues. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Your word encourages us to make earnest and heartfelt prayer to you for all men that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in your sight. In the name of Jesus, we lift up the families and the town of Uvalde, Texas. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 tells us that if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and heal our land. We cry out to you on behalf of Uvalde, Father. We mourn the loss of life. We weep with those who weep. Our hearts are breaking for the unimaginable pain and suffering caused by this horrific tragedy. We know that you are near to those who have a broken heart and that you save those who are crushed in spirit. Heal their hearts, O oh Lord. You are the God of all comfort. We ask you to comfort those whose lives have been shattered. 
protect their hearts from hardening toward you, and deconstruct all of the lies of the enemy. You are good and you do good. Strengthen their hearts and send laborers into their lives to love and help those hurting. Laborers that will speak the word of God fearlessly, thereby eradicating darkness with the entrance of your word which brings light. Perfect love casts out all fear. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of a spirit of fear. Satan, we cancel your assignment to hold these families captive. You will not torment them. Loose them now. We pray for open doors and open hearts to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that all the children of Uvalde will be taught by you and that great shall be their peace and undisturbed composure. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, we ask that you would heal all the traumatic memories of this evil act in the souls of the children and adults who witnessed it. We pray a hedge of protection around the families of this town and declare that no weapon forged against them will prosper. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. We pray for a mighty move of your spirit and an awakening to you, Father, in the town of Uvalde, the state of Texas, and across this entire nation. And everyone who agreed with that said amen. 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 So be it in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, amen, church. You can go ahead and be seated and Thank God for his faithfulness. Amen. And you know, we are the light of the world. Amen. And we need to make sure that we are shining that light and bringing hope to others through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if I've never had an opportunity to meet you before, uh, my name's Matt. I'm our Bayville campus pastor, and I'm honored to be bringing the word here at midweek tonight. And um, when pastor asked me, to preach at the midweek service tonight, I, I started really thinking, okay, well, what to preach about, what to talk about, and uh, as you can see from the screen, it's a pretty simple title. I'm going to be talking about the parable of the sower, really teaching on it tonight, something I've been studying a lot lately, and it's such an important parable from Jesus, the parable of the sower, because hopefully each and every one of us, we are making sure we consume God's word every day. Amen. Through our, our own time reading it, maybe you listen to a, a, a message on a, your drive to work, on a podcast, whatever it may be. But we need to be consuming the word. Amen. That's how we're built up. And talking about we are the light of the world. If we want to bring hope, which we are called to bring hope to this world, not hope because of us, but hope because of Jesus. Amen. We need to be built up because people are going to get our overflow. But if we're empty, there's nothing overflowing. Joy is not overflowing, love's not overflowing, peace is not overflowing. So we need to make sure we're building ourselves up with the word of God. But it's so important that we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. So we want to make sure the soil we have is prepared, that whenever we hear the word of God, receive the word of God, that we receive it. We actually receive it. Amen? Amen. You know, um, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I had a specific chore in my house. I mean, I, had, I would do a few things, but there was one thing every day 
well, really Monday through Friday, that I was supposed to do. And it's when I would come home from school, it was my responsibility to take out whatever what was for dinner, if it was chicken, beef, whatever, I don't know, whatever it is, unless it was something that wasn't frozen, but to take it out, that when I got out of school, out of the freezer and put it in the sink to defrost. And uh, when I would leave for school in the morning, my mom would always say to me, Matt, make sure you take the chicken out of the freezer when you get home. And I would say, yeah, you know, like any kid, yeah, mom, I got it, I got it, I hear you. Are you sure you hear me? Yes, I hear you. I'm going to take the chicken out once I get home. It's going to be the first thing I do. And then about the time I was supposed to get home, because my mom knew me, if she was able to take a quick break at work, she would give me a call, and she would tell me to take the chicken out of the freezer. And uh, being the kid that I was, I think I probably remember to take it out about 75% of the time. So I was pretty good, and I'd be lying if I said there wasn't times I purposely you know, forgot, or I, you know, I, I didn't purposely forget just because I knew we'd get pizza or something then for dinner, but it would happen. And, you know, it's, it's good, you know, if we're supposed to listen to anyone, we, we should be listening to our parents, right, to tell us what to do. You know, our parents have our best interests at heart, right? Um, because, but because she was my mom as a kid, it didn't mean that I always listened to her, which wasn't good on my end. And, you know, Jesus knew the same thing about people and how they would respond to the word of God. Just because Jesus was God's chosen agent, which we know he is, and he, he was, didn't mean people responded to him automatically. And unfortunately, people today still don't respond to Jesus, don't respond to his word, because truly listening and grasping the word of God is a matter of the heart within the hearer. It's a matter of the heart within the hearer. We're preparing our hearts. It's a matter of the soils. We're going to be looking in this parable in a few minutes as Jesus would explain to his disciples and those that would gather around him. And that's the question that I really want to look at tonight, explore tonight, teach on, and really make sure we are asking ourselves this, is how is our soil? How is our soil? When we hear the word of God, are we truly grasping it? Or are we just getting, dis are we letting distractions take place? You know, I know for me in the morning in my devotional time, I have to make sure because I, I know myself that I have no distractions around me. I won't put my phone near me. Why? Because I know for me that is a distraction. I know I'm going to want to check something because, you know, I got to see, okay, well, wait, did, did the Atlanta Braves win last night? I need to know because I fell asleep before the game. Whatever it may be, but I will, there will be distractions. So I remove all distractions so I could solely focus on God and that time I have with him in the morning. And, you know, sometimes in different seasons, we all go through seasons, our soil can change, but we need to make sure it doesn't go from good to bad. Amen? We want to have that good soil. And sometimes, yeah, it can start going bad, but then you know what? We just go, okay, get Get rid of distractions, whatever it may be, and we're going to be looking at it and get back to that good soil, ready to receive everything that God has for us. Amen. So if you have your Bible tonight, you can open it up to Luke chapter 8. That's where we're going to be the whole time in Luke chapter 8. And um, before we go into it, I want to explain a little bit about what Jesus was doing up until this point um, in Luke's gospel. And the book, the gospel of Luke, it's in the New Testament. It's the third gospel that's recorded for us in the New Testament. And so far in the gospel of Luke, Jesus has been traveling. He's been performing miracles, speaking truth to groups, both big and small. And he's just been um, anointed now by a woman who had wiped her tears on Jesus's feet with her hair and poured expensive perfume on his feet, signifying her love for him. And then Jesus told this woman to go in peace because her faith had saved her. 
And the people who actually saw this, and this takes place um, in Luke chapter 7, who the people who saw this were thinking, who is this man who forgives sins? Who is this man? And, and right after this story of, that we see in the Gospel of Luke of such powerful grace and such powerful forgiveness, we get to Luke chapter 8, and Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 8 in the form of a parable. And I'm going to be talking about a parable. See, a parable, it's a story that Jesus made up that he used to illustrate a simple point. And even further, we could, si- we could simply say a parable is a story with a point. And Jesus spoke in parables. Jesus spoke in parables a lot in the Word of God. And it was a way to help people understand how God views the world and the people in it. And actually about a third of Jesus' teachings were by parables. And a parable, again, it's a brief story by the way of an analogy to illustrate a spiritual truth. And uh, I'll be talking more about the meaning of a parable in this message. But what we're going to see in this parable here tonight, in the parable of the sower, is how God calls us to listen and to hold on to the word of the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to kind of be going verse by verse from this. I'm going to be pausing after some of the verses to really talk about it. So we're going to be in Luke. We're going to start in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And this is when the parable of the sower starts. And it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. Now again, we see when a great multitude had gathered. There's a lot of people going to be listening to Jesus right now. See, Jesus taught in small groups, and he also taught, taught in large groups at one sitting, and he did this right now. Um, he drew crowds, it says, from every city. And Matthew and Mark, the two, gospel, two of the three other Gospels, the parable of the sower is in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Matthew and Mark also record this as well in Matthew 13 and Mark 4. And they tell us actually that this crowd was so large that Jesus taught this from a boat. He got into a boat. He went out because the, there were so many people and the crowd is pressed in on the shore and Jesus could use the boat as an effective pulpit because his voice would actually even tra- travel louder. So we see a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city and he spoke by a parable. And then verse 5, it says, A sower went out to sow his seed. Again, I'm going to pause there. So he starts talking in the parable now. He says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And Jesus spoke according to the agricultural customs of his day. See, and in those days, seed was scattered first, and then it was plowed into the ground. And for the most part, you didn't know the quality of, of the precise piece of ground until after the sowing. And it says, And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. One of the first things that we can notice about in this verse, these verses, is that they are about farming, right? We can see that. We just looked at They're about farming. And Jesus spoke about planting seeds, watching them grow, and producing a crop. And again, back then, they would have known the people that were listening to this parable about these basic farming principles that Jesus was talking about, which is exactly why Jesus chose something like farming to get his point across here. He knew that this would get their attention. And now they had their eyes on Jesus. And he began to specify four different types of soil that the sower would throw his seed on. 
And we can see that there's four different types of soil that Jesus talks about that the sower sows his seed on. And the sower, what, he threw seed on the path, the wayside, right, the path. It says the rocks, thorns and thistles, and eventually good soil. And again, the crowd would understand these natural facets, facets so to say, to farming and, and also the hazards that would cause damage to a crop. So again, in this parable, we see four different types of soil, right? We see seed, somebody sowing seed, and four different types of soil. And honestly, as I've really been studying for a while now this parable, and it is called the parable of the sower, it honestly also could be better called the parable of the soils. Because... See, the, the thing about this, and this is so important in this parable, because the difference in this parable is never the seed, but the kind of soil it lands on. The difference in this parable is never about the difference of the seed. It's the difference of the soils that it lands on. It really could be called the parable of the soil. I mean, we know it is called the parable of the sower. See, Jesus talks about four different types of soil, but yet one seed. And they all produce differently. All right, so we first see with the wayside, the first thing he talks about in the wayside was the path where people walked and nothing could grow because the ground was too hard. On the rock was where the soil was thin, lying upon a stony shelf. And on this ground, the seed sprang up quickly because of the warmth of the soil, but the seed was unable to take root because of the rocky shelf. And then we see among thorns described soil that is fertile. Soil that was fertile, perhaps too fertile, because thorns grew, grow there as well as grain. And the thorns choked out the good grain and did not make a productive crop. And then finally, we get to the good ground, described the soil that was both fertile and weed-free. A good, productive crop grew in the good ground. The crop, it said, could be a hundredfold increase to what was sown. So Jesus talks about this, and people are getting it, but people are kind of still confused because after this, quickly after Jesus finished this teaching and talking about this parable, the disciples were like, Jesus, that was great, but what does it mean? And Jesus responded to them and said now in verse 9, because again it says, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? So they're going, this is great, but what does this mean? And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So we see that in verses 9 and 10. See, what Jesus was doing here was reminding his disciples of the gift that they had been given. The disciples received parables as a, really a gift of God's grace, an understanding of the kingdom of God both then and in the future. So he continued then to go on and explain what this parable meant. And Jesus, this is so, Jesus, he explains to them, and it's so powerful, and he starts really by quoting, and he's quoting in verse 10. Can we get that up, verse 10? He's quoting in verse 10 when he says, um, he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And Jesus is quoting this passage from Isaiah 6, 9. And Jesus was explaining his parables. They were illustrations, but they were not just illustrations making things difficult, clear, making difficult 
things clear to all who heard. They were a way of presenting God's message so that those who were spiritually sensitive could understand. Amen. See, a parable is an illustration, but it's not just an exactly an illustration because see, a good teacher can illustrate by stating a truth and then illustrating the truth through a story or an analogy. But when Jesus used parables, he normally did not start by stating a truth. Instead, the parable was like a doorway and Jesus' listeners would stand at the doorway and, he, and they would hear him. And if they were not interested, they stayed on the outside. But if they were interested, they could walk through the doorway and think more about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their life. And here's the thing, and we've looked at this parable so far, right? And we're gonna, now we're going to get to when Jesus explains it. But if you don't understand the key to the parable, you don't understand it at all. That's important. If you don't understand the key to the parable, you don't understand it at all. See, we can imagine there was, I'm sure, all different type of people in this audience that Jesus is speaking to, that he's preaching this parable to, that he's teaching them. And I could think they've all maybe would have thought different things when he taught this parable with no explanation at first until he explained it. You know, there could have been a farmer there, an actual farmer, right? That's there, and he's thinking, he's, okay, so he just told us this parable, and he could, be, he could be thinking, he's telling me that I have to be more careful in the way I cast my seed. I guess I've wasted an awful lot, right? Maybe there was a local politician there that was listening, and they could have thought, he's telling me that I need to begin a farm education program to help farmers more efficiently cast their seed. There could have been a newspaper reporter there. I mean, they didn't have newspapers in that time, but you know what I'm talking about. And he could be thinking, he's telling me that, this, that there is a big story here about the bird problem and how it affects the farming community. It's a great idea for a newspaper. And there could have been a salesman there, and that salesman could have been thinking, he's encouraging me in my fertilizer sales. Why? I could help the farmers more. I can know, if, get to help them more if I could let them know they can use my product. But see, none of them could understand the spiritual meaning until Jesus explained the key to them. And the key, in verse 11, he says the seed is the word of God. That's the key. He says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. See, if you miss the key, you miss the whole parable. If you think the seed represents money, you miss the parable. If you think the seed represents love, you missed a parable. If you think the seed represents hard work, you missed a parable. Because in this parable, you can only understand it by understanding the key. And it says the seed is the word of God. So we know that the seed is the word of God. So again, he says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. See, Jesus likened the word of God, we could say both spoken and written, to be like seed. And again, the seed's the same, the soils were different. And a seed has enormous power, power, which we know, in itself for the generation of life and usefulness if it is received, planted in the right conditions, right? When you plant a seed, it needs to be in the right conditions, might need to be in the right time of the year, you might need to have instructions of which you're supposed to water it, not over it, whatever it may be. I know this because my wife and I, we've tried growing things. And it doesn't always work, right? Sometimes it does. Just like, you know, if you want to plant grass in your yard, there's better times and better conditions to do it. You know, you're not going to probably do that in the middle of July. You're not going to start trying to grow grass. It's too hot. It's going to burn it. There's, you have to do it in the right conditions. 
And we're seeing this, but this isn't the right conditions, the soil about weather. No, it's a matter of the heart here. So now verse 12, Jesus now, he starts to break this parable down to them. He says, so those by the wayside, he says, are the ones who hear. So they do hear. They hear the seed, which what's the seed? The word of God, right? The word of God. So those by the wayside are the ones who hear, but says, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So they hear. They hear the word. They hear the seed, which is the word of God. But the devil comes and robs it from them and takes that word out of their hearts that we see. He says, but the ones on the rock are those, when they hear, again, they're hearing, receive the word with joy. The ones on the rock, they hear the word of God, the seed, the seed is the word of God, and they receive it with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now he says, now the ones among, now the ones that fell among thorns are those when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But then he says, but the ones that fell on good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. We can see a lot in this parable so far. First, we can see again, remember, the seed is the same. The soils, there's four different soils. So we could also see they're all hearing the word. The seed's getting thrown on each of these, but they're all prepared in a different way to receive that word. Okay? So we see the picture that Jesus now is portraying in the parable. Again, the seed is the word of God, but that's not really the focus of what he wants us to understand in the parable. It's about the soils. So if the seed is God's word, then we are the soil. And how we react to the seed is our response to hearing the word of God. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to talk about this now for a minute because, again, we see four different types of soil. So the first one is on the wayside, the path. And the seeds on the path could really be described as those who listen, but maybe it goes one ear and out the other. Nothing ever really sticks. They're people that could be your friend, that you're trying to tell them about Jesus, and they just look at you, and then they walk away. It could be people, somebody who sits in church, and once it ends, they walk out as if they were never there. So we see that, the seeds on the wayside, the seeds on the path, and the seeds in the rocky soil actually start out very promising. It says the seeds on the rocky soil, it says, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. The seeds on the rocky soil start out promising, but eventually we realize there is no root. It says, so when anything hard comes, like pressure, struggles, they fall away. You know, I remember in youth ministry, when I was in youth ministry, this was something so important. We, you know, we would go to our, our summer camp, and we still go to the summer camp. It's actually awesome. We have actually that camp director's guest speaking over at youth tonight at Rock Mountain uh, Bible Camp, which we would go. And, you know, you go to summer camp and, um, with the kids, and they go, and it's Sunday through Friday. And honestly, it's like one big spiritual high. To be honest, this, I'm talking about they're just, they get so excited. Why? Because number one, it's great because most of their phones don't work. 
right? You get there. A lot of the parents won't send them with their phones because like, no, you're going without your phone this week. But they have no service, really. You're in the middle of like Susquehanna, Pennsylvania, in the middle of the things, right? You barely have service. So, you know, and for a teen, well, not even just for a teenager, because we could say, yeah, for teenagers, but that's probably for each and every one of us. If we don't have our phone, right, it can get a little, wait, am I going to survive? Um, so you don't have your phones, right? We have chapels twice a day. You're doing small groups. There's worship twice a day. You're in that every single day. Right? So we go to camp, and yes, you see the kids, they're joyful. Like a sort of example, you know, you're on a spiritual mountain, so to say. But I would always tell them, guys, guys, listen, and I would always make sure on the Wednesday we come back, I would preach a message on this, because listen, you are on like a spiritual mountaintop right now. You guys, you are, you've been here, you're out of your routine. We've been worshiping twice a day, in chapel twice a day, around each other, praying with each other every day. You have alone time, because they schedule out where they have to have alone time with God every day. But I would tell them, do not let this leave. You can't stop this when you leave here. What are you going to do when you go home? Because it's not going to always be like this. What are you going to do when you go home next week and confrontation hits you? What are you going to do when something tough happens? What are you going to do? Because right now you might feel like you can take on anything. And you know what the truth is? You can. you got God's spirit within you. And you're joyful right now, but do not lose that. Do not lose that. And we would always, I would always tell them that because, you know, everything could be going great, but if our foundation isn't solid, it becomes like sand. And then what happens if we start to get questioned about what we believe and quickly just go with the crowd, we would quickly go with the crowd is saying because it's easier than trying to fight for what's right. And that's not just teenagers at, at, at um, camp. That could be us too, right? A powerful, powerful service happens. And you know, you can leave here fired up, but we can't just live like that. But when I say live like that, I mean just live for that because here's the thing. God's word is powerful. We should be in God's word at all times. Amen. So then we see that the seeds that on rocky soil, they start out promising, but then there's no root. And the seeds in the thorny soil fight for life. It says it has its root in God, but fight to survive among all the things life throws their way. They know the word of God, but they can't shake the worries maybe of failing, the need to become rich or the need to be well-known. They start to think that life satisfaction doesn't come from God, but from the things around them. Their worth comes about from having the most likes or comments, followers, viewers, money, whatever it may be. And then we see the seeds in the good soil are those, says, who listen to the word of God with good and honest, honest hearts, who know trials are going to come. But thank God, Jesus said, listen, guys, trials are going to come in this world, but I've overcome the world. Yeah. And they know, yeah, trials are going to come. But they persevere through it, sharing the word of God with others. They're the people who not only know about God, but truly know God. Know him, know his faithfulness. Amen. And I don't know about you, but we want to make sure we are like the good ground. And one of the things that I love about using the framework of farming in this parable that we see is that Jesus understood that farming is a process. Farming is a process, sometimes a long process, a grueling process, but it's a process. Nothing happens overnight, right? Nothing will ever just grow overnight. 
I wish it would because I have like a patch I need of grass right now. And I was like, man, this would be great. But it doesn't happen like that. It takes some time. Sometimes something you plant could take longer than others. It takes time to bear fruit, right? If you wanted to grow tomatoes, if you plant it tomorrow, it's not going to be there on Friday. If it is, you got to let me know, <laughs> right? It takes time to bear fruit. It takes time also for the thorns to grow and even to know the lack of root in plants to become seen. And the response to God's word is a process, but only one soil met the goal of the process. Jesus talks about only one of the soils met the goal of the process. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, I know for me that there's times when I've been, because I've been really studying this, that I could see myself in each of the four soils, if I'm going to be honest, at times in my life. Like the wayside, sometimes we allow the word of God no room at all in our lives. Distractions, whatever it may be. Sometimes hear it, again, out in one ear and out the other. Like the stony places, like the rock, we sometimes have flashes of enthusiasm in receiving the word that quickly burn out. Like the soil among thorns, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches are constantly threatening to choke out God's word and our fruitfulness. And also like the good ground, though, the word bears fruit in our lives. But, you know, just like the disciples, we also have to ask, well, what does this mean, right? Because they asked Jesus, what does this mean? And more specifically, what does this mean for us today? And I think we must truthfully ask ourselves, what is the condition of my soil? And that's an honest question we have to ask ourselves. Maybe you're in a season, you're realizing, oh man, maybe I'm like the thorny soil. And that's okay. It's a process. But now you know what needs to be ripped out or what needs to be taken out of there, right? Maybe you go, man, I'm like the rock. I'm like if it fell on the rock. That's okay. Maybe you, know, you need to know what you got to get rid of now, right? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I've been like the wayside. Just kind of coming, kind of just pretending I'm listening because so I could say I'm here and I kind of listen. I'm not really having to let it have any effect in my life. I'm listening and it's just going out the air. Maybe that's you. That's okay. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm good soil right now. Praise God. Make need to know I'm going to maintain this soil. I'm going to make this soil stronger because we know the enemy is the thief, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He gives his tactics. You know, he doesn't really surprise us. The enemy gives his tactics. He comes to theo, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And you know that, right? You know, good soil, the enemy wants to steal the word of God from your life. Of having effect in your life is what I'm saying. Again, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy, that's the you know, thing really quick, just to kind of take a little detour here. The enemy doesn't surprise. He states his goal very obviously. Jesus says his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. So you know that. The enemy wants to steal your joy. The enemy wants to steal your health. He wants to, to steal your family. But we have authority over the enemy. I just feel very strong to say this. We have authority. And you say, nope, you're not going to steal this from me. You need to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And you need to make sure that you don't leave any doors open. 
for the enemy to come in and steal God's word from your life. Don't leave doors open. Don't leave windows open. You know, I said this at Bayville a couple weeks ago when we were preaching on this. I said, you know, you got to be like my, my four-year-old daughter right now. You got to get angry sometimes. She gets a little upset. And my wife and I, for no reason really, but, you know, she's four and she's a girl. Anyway, she's not even four yet. She'll be four. She's three. And when she gets angry, she has this thing now. She tells us, you know, she tells us. She says, I'm angry. So it's nice. She communicates. Then she stomps off to her room and she slams the door shut. And then you know what? She wants to make sure we hear it, so she opens it again and slams it again. And you know what? That's what you got to do to the enemy. Don't leave your door open. Slam it, all right? Slam it shut. Don't even let it open a crack. And open it again and slam it for good measure. Because he wants to steal the word of God from your life. He wants to steal the power of God's word from transforming you. Don't let him. We have authority over him, amen? Amen. So we need to ask that. What is the condition of my soil? Again, do we just show up to church to say we went or because we are forced to go? Are we solely living off just one spiritual high, so to say, to the next and crashing during the in-between times, never allowing God into the hard places of our lives? Are we so caught up in what is happening around us that the world, in the world that God takes a back seat to the things that we want and think give us satisfaction? Or do we actively listen and hold on to the word of God in the valleys and on the mountaintops that life brings? And something that I've seen in my life is, and for us to be aware of, two points I want to talk about, again, the condition of our soil, that we need to be aware that the, because the fruitfulness of the word of God in our life is determined by, one, your receptivity and teachability. Your receptivity and teachability. What do I mean by that? Do you prepare yourself to receive from God's word what he has from you for, for you? Do you prepare yourself? Do you say, God, whatever do you have, what you have for me, I want to receive from you, Lord. It's not about what I want. It's about what you want to show me. And also teachability, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but you read the word and you go, I'm not doing that right now. But I'm not talking about saying, God, I'm not going to do that. I meant I'm not doing what that is saying I should be doing. And we need to be teachable. Lord, teach me, Father. Teach me how I could get better in that. Lord, teach me. I know, I understand I need to change things in my life. And not ignoring it and saying, well, you know what? Um, this is what God's word says. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing that, but I'm doing the nine other things I just read, so I'm okay. No, God wants to be in every part of our life. Our receptivity and teachability. And number two, your determination to obey God's word. Your determination to obey God's word. That's so important. We have the word of God. Praise God, you know, praise God we have the word. And, you know, honestly, I thank him so much sometimes lately because I go, Lord, I just thank you. We live in such a time. I mean, you, again, you can have every translation pretty much on your phone of the word of God. We have access. Thank God in this country, we have access to the word of God. We don't need to be worried about that. In other countries, they don't have that. They're ripping out pages of the Bible in some countries, having to hide them because if they get caught even looking at it, they'll get killed. We have access to the word of God. Each and every, every one of us has access to God's word. And we can know God's word and we can hear God's word and we can read God's word, but we need to make sure we are obeying God's word. That's what brings fruitfulness in our lives, our, our ability when we are obeying God's word, when we are doing what he tells us to do. Amen? Your determination to obey his word. 
you know, Jesus closed. And so Jesus finishes up the parable and he tells him, guys, which we just saw, what's the condition of your soil? Jesus is pretty much saying, and he gives them four soils and really only one of them met the goal. Only one of them met the goal. Only one of the soils, the good ground. That's the one that bears fruit in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I want to bear fruit in my life. Amen. Amen. So Jesus gives them this parable, and then he closed his statement with another parable right after in Luke. And he says, and this is just two verses, he says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand, that those who enter may see the light. He says, For nothing is secret, nothing is secret that will not, is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. What Jesus is saying, and he's communicating this now right after the parable of the sower, and he's saying here is that those who receive the word are responsible to share God's truth. See, God did not light your lamp so that it would stay hidden. He lit it so you could be an influencer and a bearer of his word and image. And again, our light doesn't shine so people will be attracted to us because it's not about us. It shines so people will be attracted to the light of Jesus, the hope that he brings. But again, we see him talk about that parable and we can see that's important, especially in the times we see what we're living in and just even just what just happened. People are looking for hope. They're looking for light. And we are God's messengers here on this earth. Amen? Amen. And he gave us the word to preach. He wants us to shine again. So it brings attention to Jesus and the hope that is in Christ and Christ alone. But in this parable, it really starts with what is the condition of our soil? Because again, people are only going to get our overflow. And that overflow starts with making sure we have good ground to receive the word of God. When we receive the word of God every day, hopefully, right, you're reading, you're doing a devotional in the morning, you're reading your word, you're receiving the word of God right now, right? You're, the word of God's being preached. Um, you're, maybe you're drive to work, you're putting on a message, a podcast, whatever it may be. Ask yourself, Lord, what's the condition of my soil? Are there things that are distracting me right now? Are there thorns I gotta rip out? Am I concerned with something that's just going to benefit me because I want to make sure my soil is prepared so I can receive all that you have for me and have it bear fruit. And again, I want to talk to you for a second. If maybe you're in a period where you feel frustrated because you're thinking, well, Pastor Matt, I believe I've been preparing my heart and I'm, I'm receiving, but I'm still not seeing the fruit yet. Remember, it's a process doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes we do see things, right? We see immediate answers to prayer. We do see things sometimes, but a lot of times it's a process. So what's the thing? Keep letting God work that process in you. You worry about, remember, the seed doesn't change. The seed is the same. The seed is the word of God. Stay in the word of God. When you prepare your soil, you're, you're starting it, you're planting, and then you're watering it, you're watering it, and it's growing. But a lot of times it starts growing underground before it comes up. Because why? You're filling yourself up, and then when it comes up, that overflow is coming, and you will see that fruit bearing in your life. 
But make sure before it comes up, don't let something choke it out. The cares of this world, whatever it may be. You know, growing up, if, if I never listened to my mom when she would tell me to take the food out, right? If I, if I would just listen to, or no, actually better off, if I would just listen to her, which I did, but I never did it, I probably, I mean, not really, she would have got some, but I probably would have starved growing up. <laughs> if I never took out the food, right? There wouldn't have been dinner. And just like what Jesus wants to show us in these verses, we can't just listen to God's word. We have to hold on to it. We have to apply it. And we have to show others the truth that God has for them. Amen? So again, as I'm finishing up right now, just a question to leave us with tonight that we can ask is, what is the condition of our soil? Amen? Why don't we all stand up? I want to pray. Father, I just thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that, that your word, Lord, is powerful and your word brings life. And Father, I pray as we all ask ourselves what the condition of our soil is, you will show us, Lord. And Father, if it's good ground, praise God, Father. And I pray, I just thank you that we continue, Lord, to just let your seed be sown, Father, and we will see it produce and produce fruit. Lord, if we're like the wayside right now, realizing, yeah, we're just listening and and and. It's just going in one ear and out the other. Lord, I thank you for that change that will take place. Thank you, Lord. Our hearts, if they're hardened, Lord, will begin to break down, Father. That hardness would begin to break down, Father. Thank you, Father, if we're like that rocky soil, Father. That we, yes, we have joy, but there's no root. That we would start to build those roots in our life. And Father, if there's, we're like the, the soil with the thorns, or those thorns would be ripped out. Whatever, if, Father, if we realize and we're idolizing things, Father, we're, we're putting things above you, Lord, that would be removed in our life, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we will be and we are good soil, Father, ready for you to do what you would like to do in our lives and our heart. And Father, that we can go and be the light of this world that you call us to be, to bring the hope of Jesus to those that are hurting, to those that have never heard, Lord God, because we are your messengers here on earth, Father. So we thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, before we're dismissed, if you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you like the wayside and you realize, man, the enemy, I would hear the message and I never received him as my Lord and Savior. He's been stealing that. Don't let him steal any longer. It's a decision you need to make here while you're on earth to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So come up and tell one of our prayer team members, I want to give my life to Jesus today. It would be our absolute honor to lead you into that prayer of salvation. Amen? And if you need prayer for anything else, please come up. We would love to stand in faith with you by God's word for what you're believing for. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. We'll see you this weekend. And guys, we'll see you Friday night at the barbecue.